from a bar mitzvah at the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem to a temple procession in Taipei. The people of our world are passionate about their beliefs. Are you listening? Tune in to the sounds of your world on Radio Taiwan International. Thank you for joining us on Radio Taiwan International. I'm Leslie Liao, and coming up this hour, I have Ear to the Ground, where Andrew Ryan brings you some sounds from Taiwan and Jukebox Republic with Shirley Lin. But as always, we're going to start, as we always do, with a little bit of Here in Taiwan. Here in Taiwan, today is Monday, March 2nd. We are already in the third month of the year. Would you believe that? It almost feels like yesterday that we just crossed but from 19 to 2020. Anyway, once again, I'm your host, Leslie Liao, and joining me today is Shirley Lin. Hello. And Miss Paula Chow. Hello. On today's agenda, the COVID-19 outbreak has been quite tough. It's been especially tough on the travel industry, but companies are now loosening some regulations to make this difficult time a little easier to get through. Next, some people might say working in the postal industry is relatively safe. There aren't many uh, professional hazards, and maybe that's true, but I have one story here that might make an aspiring male man or male woman think twice. And finally, Taiwan is trying to be more Muslim-friendly. I think that's something we've always been trying to do, but how is that going? And what are they going to do to make it even more Muslim-friendly? Well, we got all that and more coming up next on Here in Taiwan. All right, so let's talk about the topic of the hour, which is the COVID-19 outbreak. It almost seems like every day something's going on with this outbreak, and it's affecting a lot of industry. Uh, Luckily, not so much in media uh, because we get the information around. But the travel industry has been hit quite hard, and I don't think it's deniable at this point. But surely what's going on with a couple of uh, this new Taiwanese airline that they're trying to do to make things more friendly? Okay, so this is uh, talking about Thomas National Airlines, um, China Airlines, and uh, it's uh, just on Wednesday, uh, wait a minute, last week, has just lifted a ban on its flight attendants, and they're going to be able to wear the glasses instead of, yeah, glasses, like, you know, real glasses with a glass frame and everything. Now that you Uh, mention it, I've never seen a China Airlines flight attendant wear glasses. That is... New information to me. Wow. I know. Because, I mean, you you know, right, why mm. flight attendants are not advised to wear glasses. Instead, mm. if they are nearsighted, they have to wear contact lenses. It's, you know, totally for the sake of appearance, you know, looking nicer, you know, with the hair up and everything and in yeah. the uniform. So now they're saying that, okay, go ahead and wear glasses, you know, to protect yourself. And this even includes wearing non-prescription glasses. Oh, just like any any just old any pair of glasses with no prescription. Would that really protect you though from well, not I mean, being? Of course. First of all, they would already be gloved, and then they are wearing masks. Yes. So now they can also protect their eyes. eyes. Okay. So. I mean, I can see why that would make you feel more. I mean, planes are these closed environments, and the air is just circulating all the time. That's why it's so risky mm-hmm. whenever there's like a pandemic. Yeah. But glasses, even I 
I thought that might just be to help you see where you're going better so that there's no spillage. But Well, I mean, you never know. When people talk to you, you know, their saliva kind of like, kind of, yeah. That's true. That is one out. of the tenets of this whole... Um, Accidentally. <laughs> well, like this whole uh, prevention thing. It's a uh, wash your hands often and don't touch your eyes, your ears, your mouth. You know, your that's nose. the thing. I mean, I used to wear contacts too. And after a day, you know, you can, your eyes can get tired. And you'll probably be rubbing your eyes a lot with the contacts and it gets dry and everything. See, maybe it's a way to prevent them from touching their eyes. That's true. You know, because, I mean, if you've got a long haul, you know, like 30-hour flight, well, I mean, sometimes you do, um, you know, yeah, you, you it can prevent you from, like, you know, rubbing your eyes and you feel more comfortable wearing wearing glasses as opposed to contacts, at least for me. Unfortunately, I don't. You can't relate. Because I can't relate because yeah. I'm not nearsighted. Yeah. Um, well, they follow this measure only because EVA Airways, mm -hmm. um, this other, they aren't a national radio, uh, airline, right? They're, Actually, no. They're just... Uh, they're private enterprises. Private enterprise, yeah. yes. EVA Airway. Um, just on January 31st, they banned, uh, they lift the ban for their flight attendants to um, wear glasses. Yeah, so 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 uh, China Airlines kind of just followed suit just a little bit later. But yeah, I mean, that's the whole idea. What's that saying? If you can't, uh, if you can't beat them, join them? Or <laughs> right. what's the other one? When in Rome? Things like that? Right. But you know what? Actually, wearing glasses has its um, disadvantages. Because, you know, it slips down your nose and you have to constantly adjust your glasses. Right. I know for me, because, you know, I'm a glass wearer. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, yeah, it can, be a, it can be a problem, too, though. Okay. I don't know. Uh, in, the, in a little bit of related news, actually, we've had a couple of uh, cancellations for big events because of this whole COVID-19 outbreak. One of them was the big uh, procession, one, Taiwan's largest pilgrimage and if you didn't hear about that you can go to our youtube page and look at our uh our taiwan insider episode for last week we covered that extensively but there's another event that hasn't gotten as much uh exposure however it, it is supposed to be the inauguration of president Tsai Ing-wen for her winning the last election on may 20th she has supposedly suspended um her inauguration and even though that's not till May. It's not until May. And I guess this is one of those things where they're saying it could be bad until May. But, I, I mean, it's it wouldn't be her first inauguration, so I think she'd be okay with it. Yeah. One thing is just uh, this, I know how much work it goes into the inauguration because I used to work at the foreign ministry. And this was one of those big events. And I can right. just tell you, I have a lot of friends who are... I mean, I, I want to say they're happy, they're relieved, they're relieved <laughs> that they don't have to deal with all of this because you have delegations coming in from all over and right. um, it's oh, yeah. just a huge thing. So when I heard this announcement, she made the announcement last either Wednesday or Thursday and she was, and when she announced it, I was, I, I wanted to text one of my friends just saying, oh, how relieved are you? But yeah. he was probably busy with something else. Mm -hmm. um, in, in light of that, the procession, which was supposed to be the pilgrimage, which was supposed to be held, uh, they canceled parts of it, and they actually uh, donated 30 million NT to the uh, Central Epidemic Command Center, which is a pretty nice gesture. That's I think, nice of them. Yeah, I think uh, this is a good... good this the, the country's coming together quite well during this 
time of need, uh, especially during this COVID outbreak. It's, it's, I'm, I'm very impressed, actually. Very, very impressed. All right, and I just said, you know, mail isn't exactly the industry that you think of danger. Um, but one guy managed to get himself into a dicey situation. Paula, what's going on here? Well, it happens to uh, a policeman who um, who works at the Qilong City. Uh, last week, um, while he um, was, uh, you know, he, he parked his um, postal service trucks on um, on the roadside, and he entered the truck from the, the rear end to sort out um, the packages. And all of a sudden, he discovered that... that um, uh, the the door is closed because that's a sliding door, so he couldn't get out, and then there's no way for him. But there's no button inside, so he got stuck. And then f- that day, it's a, it, the weather was fine. It, it was noontime, so he felt you no. Know, the air is getting hotter and hotter. There were a lot of people in traffic, you know, outside. But he uh, pounded on his window, but no one actually noticed him. Oh, no. So he felt really um, nervous, and he was a little bit edgy. Fortunately, uh, fortunately, he had his cell phone with him, so he called the um, you know, he called the police, and then two policemen <laughs> arrived. Oh, he called the police. He called oh. the police, and then they saw the the the, uh, the poster truck. Uh, service trucks and then and they saw him and then they opened the door for him so you know yeah you never know what will happen uh, to a policeman uh, to a postman postman. to a postman that's one of those i can probably relate like you don't really know how much trouble in you're in until a good amount of time passes especially in that situation I, I, i really wonder how he felt and i think i think i've had a bad dream a couple of times about rooms that i can't get out of (laughs) Oh, do you have claustrophobia? You have kind of I don't have nightmare. claustrophobia, oh. but it is kind of like when a door is locked and you just like jiggle and you're like, uh-oh. Yeah. You're like, uh-oh. It's like sometimes you can get it open, but there's a few times where, you know, not so lucky. Anyway, it's uh, it's lucky he had a cell phone. Right. Yeah, I know. Yes. True. I almost thought Paula was going to go down the road of he didn't have his cell phone. Mm-hmm. And um, you see, that's just another, that's one of those things that it, it's it's a design flaw. Yeah. You're right. The postal service might need to get 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 on. You know, I mean, luckily that truck wasn't refrigerated. You know, there are <laughs> refrigerated, refrigerated trucks, postal yes. trucks. Yeah. And oh. uh, you know, postal post uh, post post work is one of those things that I think is uh, very very underrated. Taken for granted. Taken for granted, absolutely, especially in Taiwan. Well, that it's, really sounds scary. Uh, especially in Taiwan, the way, especially the way you can just order something and it'll be there by like eight. Eight, eight hours later uh-huh. that is when i first moved to taiwan and they and they told me that was the thing i was i thought i i, I actually moved into the future and not to another country you mean like you can get a package within 24 hours yeah and it like, came to you in eight hours okay, you, you got can it. order in the morning and yeah. then it'll be where you it needs to be by the afternoon the, or yeah. at night or even in the morning i yeah. have i i that that blows my mind i have absolutely no idea how that works All right, and uh, we have another story, actually, that I really want to bring your attention to because during this time, and we talked about the COVID-19 outbreak, there are a lot of people working very, very hard, and they are the ones who are in the front lines, first line uh, medical professionals, and they're the one risking life and limb. However, they are running into, I don't want to say prejudices, but they're running into obstacles even in daily life, which I don't think is necessary because I think 
more than anything, I have nothing but gratitude for them. So, Paula, what happened with this nurse that was uh, trying to juggle her life and this situation going on? Okay, recently a doctor posted uh, an article on his Facebook. Um, he said that um, there is uh, one nurse, um, she, um, you know, she, was, uh, she wanted to rent an apartment and she has actually uh, paid a down payment and she's about to sign the contract with, his, uh, with her landlord. But all of a sudden, um, the landlord sent a message to the nurse saying that me and my family, we know your occupation, we know where you work, we know your job, and we are against, uh, you know, renting out our apartment to you simply because the outbreak of COVID-19 is rather chaotic. And your job, um, you know, bothers us, it worries us a lot. So the doctor was really, um, really mad because um, the doctor said, you know, um, uh, medical um, medical care, uh, medical, um, medical staff, they are on the front lines. And they know how to, uh, they have a higher chance of getting infected with the virus, but they know how to protect themselves. So, um, you know, they, um, the public shouldn't worry about them. What uh, the landlord should worry is about, you know, renting uh, his apartment to people who don't even know how to protect themselves or to people who don't even know they have been infected already. And um, the doctor also said that, you know, medical staff um, face discrimination because they are on the front lines. And then they, um, I think recently our government says, um, you know, medical care workers are, especially those who work on the front lines, are barred yeah. from going abroad. Right, and so the doctor said that that's, you know, that's discrimination. Oh. Uh, he said that, well, ignorance is even worse than a virus. Um, yes. Oh, yeah, that is true. Um, you know, I think uh, I think the nurse would say that, you know, I'm human too. I've got feelings as well. You don't say those kind of things to me and think that I don't feel anything, right? Yeah. And and every, everybody's just as concerned. And uh, it's, it's a time like this where everybody needs to come together and be united and try to fight this um, outbreak together. Yeah. Yeah, this is one of those situations. This is one of the uh, the examples where I can see this is kind of more discord than I would like to see. Um, I have friends who are doctors, and they have been getting worked like crazy because of this whole thing. But if it weren't for them, Taiwan wouldn't be doing as well as it is. And, um, you know, without them, this situation would only be worse than it already is. Right. And um, I think you know this is this this the, the one of the uh, one of the the government released a statement saying do not be prejudiced against the ill. I mean, like uh -huh. Paula said, right? Or the, like that doctor said, these people are the ones who know how to prevent the viruses. Mm -hmm. These are the people who are going to be washing their hands every time they do anything. They're not going to be touching their eyes, mouth, their nose. They're going to be they're wearing the face masks when they need to wear it. Right. So I think. Well, I've got a daughter who's a nurse. There you go. <laughs> Even though she's uh, actually working at the children's hospital, mm -hmm. and um, you know she hasn't, uh, she's in the ICU department. But the thing is that she hasn't had to take care of any of uh, those, you know, uh, uh, confirmed cases. Yeah. But um, they do have to allocate one of the beds, um, or one of the yeah, one of the beds as a pressurized um, uh, room, hospital room. Yeah. Just in case they, you know, they they're sent a, a patient like that. But the thing is that maybe this is something that not everybody knows, but she changes her uniform at the hospital when she gets off work. Mm. So they actually are sent to the laundry 
um, whatever they worked in the war that day. Yeah. So it's that they don't bring the germs home. Okay. Oh. And she actually has been like using alcohol on her hands so much that she's gotten some kind of allergy on her skin. Oh no. Yeah. And it's all like dried up, and you know she doesn't even know what's happening, and it gets itchy and everything. But think about the things that they have to do, and they yeah. have respect for everybody else. We're all human, so. So no matter where you're from, I'd like to just remind you, you know, medical personnel—they're really risking, they're really risking themselves out there, and um, it would be great if we can show a little more appreciation towards them. And I just hope this discriminatory behavior can curb, if not mm-hmm. stop altogether. story for today and surely you're talking about Taiwan is trying to become more Muslim friendly I mean I think we already are pretty Muslim we friendly we have vending machines that are halal and we have I mean I think it's just going to be a downturn in the travel no matter what but yeah right. I think we have I, my house we, I live near the biggest mosque in Taipei City and it's huge right yeah and not to say that you know um, according to the global Muslim travel index of 2019 uh, rating released by Crescent Rating Mastercard, Taiwan ranked third most f- Muslim friendly among non organization of the Islamic Cooperation members. Huh. So, see, you know, we are really doing a lot to uh, make it Muslim friendly. And um, so we've tried to double our efforts to be more Muslim friendly and attractive, including training talents in the tourism sector and offering incentives for travel agencies to roll out Muslim travel packages and promoting halal certified restaurants and establishments you know we're getting more and more of that yeah uh, as well as enlisting celebrities for marketing purposes <laughs> okay and um so this was all stated by the representative of the taipei economic and cultural office in brunei Jerusalem recently um and his name is andrew lee uh at this event that was named let's connect take a journey to taiwan in brunei right and so uh, he was saying that over the past several years, the halal travel market has undergone significant changes. At the start of this decade, businesses, hotels, and tour operators provided functional services that catered to Muslim tourist needs. So we're talking about halal travel 1.0. And, um, you know, it's included halal food operations, water-friendly washrooms, and prayer facilities, yeah, like, you know, at hospitals and public places, right? At train stations, I think, you know, at hotels even. Yeah, so we're doing a lot. And we've had experience in battling SARS in 2003 and exclusion from the World Health Organization. But despite all that, Taiwan and its medical system have prepared for the worst. So in, in light of the COVID-19, I have to put in a word or two, right? Yeah. About what we're doing in, in terms of fighting disease and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Anything to be more inclusive and anything to be more mindful of how people live abroad. I'm, 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 I'm all for that. I'm very good for that. Well, that's about all the time we have for this edition of Here in Taiwan. And like I said, coming up next, Ear to the Ground and Jukebox Republic. But for Here in Taiwan, I'm Leslie Liao. I'm Shirley Lin. And I'm Paula Chow. Do not go away, you guys. You got more coming up.
Every day, dozens of Taiwanese variety shows air in countries around the world, in every place where there are speakers of Mandarin Chinese. Local entertainers dress up in wacky outfits, act out charades, talk about embarrassing moments, sing karaoke, and compete in silly games that are good enough to keep any bored couch potato interested. And the best part of those programs, if you ask me, is the sound effects, which are played live during the taping of the show. I'm Andrew Ryan, and in today's Ear to the Ground, we head to a local television studio to find out who's behind those amazing sounds. 贴紧台湾的羊耳朵, an ear to the ground. Every time I walk into a television studio in Taiwan, I'm impressed by how colorful it is. I guess they have to be big and glittery in order to get noticed on TV. With more than 100 TV channels here, it's pretty easy to get lost in the crowd. I was invited to participate in a show about Taiwanese snack foods, and they needed a foreigner's perspective. The back wall of the studio was hot pink fading into fluorescent blue. There was this huge plastic green wreath in the center and a strip of blue sky with white fluffy clouds, a red bookshelf with assorted props, and a big red speech bubble containing the English word true. The other two guests and I sat behind a table that had legs made of pink, green, purple, orange, and yellow rings stacked on top of one another. Of course, all this looks completely normal when viewed through a television set. When I arrived, the studio was still pretty dark because the lights were off on the set. The crew was bustling about preparing dishes of foods for us to sample. A production assistant had taped our names, in Chinese of course, on one of the TV cameras, and that was a reminder for the host. Off to the side, someone was scribbling on a huge piece of paper with a big fat marker. That turned out to be the opening lines for the host. Off in one corner, I could hear some funny sounds. Clearly, someone was playing with the sound effects machine. I walked over to take a closer look. The man playing on the keyboard is a guy called Awen. He tells me that he got his start as a member of a band that was playing for a TV show. Now he does a lot of the shows solo and is referred to as the keyboard laoshi, or the keyboard master. That's something that's unique to shows in Taiwan. It started off as a quick fix for shows without a big enough budget to hire a whole band. But it turns out that these keyboard laoshi can do something that a whole band cannot. They can respond quickly and directly to the action on set. So if somebody falls over, for example, or hits themselves in the head, then the keyboard laoshi can immediately interject some appropriate silly sounds. Awen is sort of like an invisible extra who's part of every single conversation. I ask him where he gets his sounds, and he tells me that he's constantly adding to his repertoire. He makes and mixes many of his own sound effects from scratch. I asked if he had any favorites, and his response? (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like these, he says, are more interactive. They inspire a response from people on set and from people in the audience, and presumably they get a reaction from people at home, too. At times, it seems like the sounds he chooses are almost like his way of telling a joke or adding to the punchline. Or perhaps his responses mimic the way the producers hope that the audience will respond. Awen says that some shows in mainland China have caught on, 
But most places in the world still don't have keyboard laws. He jokes that it's because shows in other countries have bigger budgets. But I would argue that it takes someone who's particularly talented and can keep up with a fast-paced TV show. Awen tells me that there are only about 10 people who do this sort of thing in Taiwan. Today, these talented keyboard laoshi have become such an influential part of Taiwan's variety shows that even if there was a big enough budget to hire a whole band, you'd still have a keyboard laoshi playing sound effects. Because without them, the shows would seem almost naked. You gotta love those sounds, don't you? They even make me sound good. With an ear to the ground, I'm Andrew Ryan. You've just tuned into Jukebox Republic. I'm Shirley Lin at Radio Taiwan International. I couldn't believe that the last time I introduced Wu Bai was back in 2010. But he made a comeback recently because uh, of a TV drama called Someday or One Day, and one of his oldies made a comeback. Now, Wu Bai is a very famous Taiwanese rock singer and songwriter. His band is called China Blue. Uh, he himself is the lead guitarist and lead vocalist. They say he gives the best live concerts because his music is better off performed live. Anyway, Wu Bai is considered one, to be one of the biggest rock music stars in East and Southeast Asia. All right, let's have a listen to Last Dance by Wu Bai.
So that's a song that's made a comeback recently, "Last Dance" from Wu Bai, because of this TV drama called "Someday or One Day." Well, it's already off、uh, the TV now. It's it's stopped. It's already. I think it had ten series. Yeah, ten episodes. Ten episodes. Anyway, you're listening to Jukebox Republic. I'm Shirley Lin. Now, Wu Bai means the number five hundred. And there are many sayings as to how he got that name. None of them could be proven as true. One says that he used to score a hundred on five subjects in school, but then he got so interested in music that he did not pass the university entrance exam, and、um, so the five hundred stuck with him. Another story was that he used to charge five hundred NT, New Taiwan dollars, for his concerts in the early days. That's like sixteen、uh, to seventeen U.S. dollars nowadays. Anyway, let's have a listen to another song. How's that? Here's 亲爱的你 
Well, I don't know if you can tell, but Wubai actually sings Mandarin Chinese with a very typical Taiwanese accent, very heavy Taiwanese accent. He does it on purpose. I mean, he, ideally, he's a local Taiwanese, so he actually, you know, speaks uh, Taiwanese or Hokkien as his, you know, mother tongue. And um, anyway, so that's just typical of him, and that's what people love about him. Um, he used to listen to idols like, you know, Jimi Hendrix and Led Zeppelin. You know these Western uh, bands and music and everything, just like my husband actually. Well, uh, Wu Bai is really great with Mandarin Chinese songs, but he's even greater with local Chinese dialect songs. Okay, and it goes without saying he's won a lot of awards and topped a lot of charts, and uh, and sales charts as well. Now Wu Bai writes all of his songs, and he also writes for others too. His style of rock music is really different from other mandal pop or candle pop rock because. Because, like I said, you know, his Mandarin carries this Taiwanese heavy Taiwanese accent is very obvious, and he's got that rough look about him that's really needed in rock and roll. Because you know, mostly he's got that typical Taiwanese taike、uh, style about him. Now, the meaning of taike is like someone who chews on betel nuts. You know,、uh, truck drivers do that. is to It's a stimulant to keep you awake at night when you're driving at night. So,、um, and then. They dress up, you know,、uh, sandals. I mean, they dress sandals, and then they are badly dressed、um, people. You know, maybe like gold chains around their neck, and they always, you know, got a got a cigarette in, in their mouth and that kind of thing.、Um, local people、uh, nowadays in Taiwan are not ashamed of being called Taike. In fact, they're proud of it and proudly admit that they are true Taiwanese. That's why people love Wu Bai because he happily accepts everyone calling him Taike, which means. Like being free to do whatever you want, you know, do whatever you you're happy with, and that you're proud of, and、um, that's Wubai, typically Wubai, and it's amazing he's still going strong. Another song by him here, here's "Lang Ren Qing Ge," translates into "Wanderer's Love Song." <laughs>
风去，让它无痕迹。所有快乐、悲伤，所有过去，统统都抛去。心中想的、念的、盼的、忘的，不会再是你，不愿再承受，要把你忘记。So anyway, that TV drama "Someday or One Day" is so popular that everyone can't help humming his classic oldie "Last Dance." Whether at work, everywhere, on the MRT, it's like going crazy. Well, the drama, the TV drama itself, is really hard and complicated to explain because I was thinking about doing that, but it's just no way because it has to do with like a time machine, you know, going back in time and going into the future. And the lead actor and actress had to play like two to three different roles of the same person, okay, of the same persons in the in the TV series. Anyway, so you, you can guess by now it's about a love story, and this boy and girl relationship, and then developing into when they grow up and become a man and woman relationship, and all the complications behind it and everything. So, and being like、um, this former boyfriend was like in somebody else's body in the future. That kind of thing—it's really ridiculous. I mean, it's very popular. That's what I want to say. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed、uh, Wu Bai, and here's one last song from Wu Bai. It's called "Qiu Feng Ye Yu," and the one after that, "Fei Zai Feng Zhong De Xiao Yu."
Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia, from 1600 to 1700 UTC, on 6180 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia, from 1600 to 1700 UTC, on 6180 kHz. And in Southeast Asia, from 0300 to 0400 UTC, on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.